1: I'm June Grosso in New York. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, parents are suing while police in Georgia are defending their actions in putting a high school in Sylvester on lockdown for hours and patting down each of the students.
3: And do police need a search warrant to collect a DNA sample from the door handle of a car that's left in a parking lot? That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. But first, a check on the markets with Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Greg Storr. Thank you, June Grosso. We have got the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ all trading lower right now. The S&P 500 index down 4 to 2384, a drop of two-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 36, also a drop of two-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ has been swinging between gains and losses. Little change, but it is now lower by less than half a point. The U.S. economy economy expanded at the slowest pace in three years as weak auto sales and lower home heating bills dragged down consumer spending, offsetting a pickup in investment led by housing and oil drilling. The Commerce Department says gross domestic product, the value of all goods and services produced, rose at a seven-tenths of a percent annualized rate after advancing 2.1 percent in the prior quarter. Median forecast of Economist survey by Bloomberg called for a one percent gain. BlackRock. Larry Fink is warning the Trump administration's tax proposals are likely to prompt higher deficits because they probably won't spur enough economic growth and revenue. Starbucks shares, uh, they are moving lower today after quarterly sales missed analyst estimates. And with more on the story, here's Bloomberg's Patrice Sikora.
3: Charlie, same-store sales, a key benchmark, rose 3% last quarter. But analysts polled by Consensus Metrics projected a 3.6% gain. The results leave it up to Chief Executive Officer Kevin Johnson to reassure investors he has a plan for reigniting sales, especially as cheaper rivals target his company's market share. McDonald's has been advertising $1 and $2 drink specials this year, while the Dunkin' Donuts loyalty program is drawing more converts. Patrice Sikora, Bloomberg Radio.
2: And Starbucks is down now by 2.5%. Again, recapping, S&P down 3 points, a drop of Two tenths of one percent, gold up a dollar ninety, up a uh, one tenth of one percent, crude oil West Texas Intermediate up four tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that Greg Store in June Grasso is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: Thank you, Charlie. Imagine sending your children to high school and learning that police had put the school on lockdown for several hours while they came in with drug dogs and patted down each of the nine hundred students, some aggressively, finding no illegal substances. Parents of students in Fort county high school in georgia were furious and some are suing but the police are defending their actions add this fact to the equation it's the second time in a month that a search was conducted at the school although the first time there were no pat downs joining us are former federal prosecutor george newhouse a partner at denton's and laura Donahue, a professor at georgetown law school george Sheriff Jeff Hobby said the invasive searches were necessary after arrests made in a series of local burglaries reveal what he called drug activity at the school, and that as long as a school administrator was present, the search of the students was legal. What's your response to that?
4: That is not clear at all. I would actually disagree with that assertion. Uh, Certainly they had legitimate need to do this kind of investigation, uh, but, uh, as far as I can see, particularly a pat-down search, now remember, a pat-down search is not a full-blown Fourth Amendment search, so it's, and it's justified under the Constitution, but it requires at least a reasonable suspicion, uh, that a particular individual or a suspect has contraband or a weapon or some, something like this. It appears that this search is way overbroad, it's not done on consent, and frankly, it probably uh, resulted in a Fourth Amendment violation of the, of the various students who were subjected to it.
3: Laura, uh, at, at risk of, of uh, acting like I'm on the side of the police here, uh, isn't it established in the law, though, that, that uh, students have lesser, uh, a lower level of, of constitutional rights uh, than somebody who's just walking out on the street?
5: Uh, so students uh, do have a lesser constitutional right, but they do have a constitutional right. The Fourth Amendment uh, protections apply in public school systems, so this has been long established. Uh, so the Due Process Clause incorporates the Bill of Rights against the states, and in Mount vs Ohio, you know, the Fourth Amendment now applies uh to, the, to the states and students, particularly there was a case called Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District in 1969 that said, you know, no, uh, students don't shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. So the, the standard though of reasonableness here is different for school administrator than for the police. So for a school administrator to do a pat down, it has to be reasonable in light of whether it's justified at the inception and reasonable in scope. Uh, and under those criteria, it might be reasonable in scope to do a pat down. Uh, but that's different from the police. For the police to do it, so it matters who's doing the search. For the police to do it, they have to have probable cause in order to uh, do a search, which is a, which is a higher standard.
1: George, when you say pat down, I, I'm wondering. You know, I'm thinking of a, a pat down like you'd see in a, in a TV show. In this case, they admitted the police that some of the pat downs were especially aggressive, and the ser- some reports are that the searches extended to the girls' bras and the inside of the boys and girls' uh, pants and thighs. Is is that a pat down?
4: Well, it's a great question, June. And remember, the pat-down uh, search or stop and frisk uh, goes back to a Supreme Court case called Terry versus Ohio, which is at least thirty or forty years old. And in that case, it was a very limited search. It was literally a, a officer stopping a suspect. He had reasonable suspicion to be concerned for his safety, and that the the, the inc- intrusion of the search was extremely limited. So this these aggressive searches, and certainly Uh, As you've described it, I would believe that would be a full-blown Fourth Amendment search that would require probable cause or some exception to the uh, warrant requirement uh, that would otherwise um, uh, be binding on the police. And I completely agree. The students have Fourth Amendment rights like anyone else, and there may be, in some circumstances, administrative searches done by school officials, which are not really done necessarily for law enforcement purposes Uh, could be subject to a more lenient standard. But um, the kind of search that you're describing, intrusion, would clearly trigger Fourth Amendment interest.
3: Laura, um, I think this may be factually disputed, but if school administrators were there watching the police, does that help uh, police at all in terms of their, their justification?
5: No, no. Actually, the courts have come out and said just standing there is not sufficient to trigger, for instance, increased Fourth Amendment protection. So similarly, it would not be sufficient for a reduced standard of just reasonable suspicion to apply to the search itself. Um, and as George is saying, the intrusiveness of the search uh, actually is, is the key point. So there, there have been cases where schools have, uh, for instance, looked inside um, the, the band you know, going around the pants or, or in girls' bras, uh, and this has been ruled to be unconstitutional for them to do that the other Point that's worth bringing up is it's also not sufficient for the reasonableness prong even for school administrators to say that somebody hangs out with somebody else and therefore they've waived uh, any protections against uh, search so, so that's actually an insufficient reason to say, so, so certainly saying that they go to the same school is even one step removed from that, so I would really question the constitutionality of these actions.
1: And I just want to add that the school administrator in this case said he did not give any consent to the police to do any pat-downs. Coming up on Bloomberg Law. What kind of a search by police constitutes a trespass and a Fourth Amendment search? How about swabbing the exterior door handle of a car parked at a mall to collect DNA? But now the latest world and national news from Nathan Hager in the Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington, D.C. Nathan.
6: June, thanks. President Trump has just arrived in Atlanta, where he will become the first sitting president since Ronald Reagan to address the National Rifle Association's annual convention president will also attend a private fundraiser for Republican Karen Handel. She's headed into a runoff special election for the congressional seat that was left empty by Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price. Now, before he arrived in Atlanta, the president signed another executive order. This one aimed at expanding oil and gas drilling in the Arctic and other federal waters. We're
4: unleashing American energy and clearing the way for thousands and thousands of high-paying American energy jobs. This
6: order reverses an effort by then-President Obama to make most federal waters off-limits to drilling indefinitely. California Attorney General Javier Becerra released a statement saying his state will vigorously oppose offshore drilling. Shutdown averted. First the House, now the Senate have passed a one-week spending bill to keep the
2: government open. Never too late to do the right thing, as my mom used to say. And the right thing to do today is to pass this rule, pass this bill give uh, our friends the appropriators the time that they need to negotiate a final bill. Oklahoma
6: Republican Congressman Tom Cole on the House floor. Those appropriators are expected to work through the weekend to iron out their differences on a trillion-plus dollar bill for the rest of this fiscal year. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts. In more than 120 countries, this is Bloomberg. Global business
2: news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. On Bloomberg World, Hank Waters, I'm Charlie Pellet, NASDAQ trading close to a record. The Dow and S&P lower a little change right now. Treasuries are dropping oil, closing in on $50 a barrel, even after the U.S. economy reported its slowest pace of expansion in three years. The 10-year yield, 2.30%, gold up $2 the ounce to twelve sixty-seven. up two-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 30 cents a barrel, 49.27 on WTI, up six-tenths of one percent. The s p P500 index down four at 2384, down two-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 40, also a drop of two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ lower little changed, down now by half a point. I'm Charlie Palatan, Back, at Greg Store and June Grasso is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: Thank you so much, Charlie. When does police action count as a Fourth Amendment search? The Supreme Court has said the government commits a search when it trespasses on a person's houses, papers, and effects, among other things. But here's the problem. What's the test for a trespass? In a new decision, a Louisiana federal judge found that the police swabbing the exterior door of a murder suspect's car parked in a mall for DNA was a Fourth Amendment search because it trespassed on the car. We've been talking to former federal prosecutor George Newhouse, a part at Denton's and Laura Donahue, a professor at Georgetown Law School. George, this investigation is the subject of the Discovery Channel TV show Killing Fields. Tell us what happened.
4: Well, uh, the individual Schmidt was um, suspected of having committed a murder, and the police decided that they needed his DNA uh, to obviously compare against samples collected in the evidence. So they went to his car. And on the external side of the car, the, the door handle, they swabbed uh, and obtained his DNA. So they didn't actually go inside the car. Uh, they simply swabbed the, ex- the, the, the handle and obtained DNA. Uh, he then brought a lawsuit. Interestingly, this wasn't necessarily at this point the result of a criminal uh, prosecution. But Schmidt sues uh, the police and says you've violated the Fourth Amendment by conducting a search the external part of my car and my dna is private and you didn't have probable cause which they didn't or warrant to obtain it so that's where the issue was fronted and the the judge basically actually ironically dismissed the lawsuit uh, but after finding that there had been in fact a search so it's an interesting issue of um, continuing march of technology because you know 25 years ago this would never have even been an issue
3: Laura i I think it is the case that and correct me if I'm wrong that if somebody you know took a sip out of a plastic cup and threw it in the trash there'd be no problem with with police uh, getting the DNA from that cup uh how did the judge here describe why a car in a parking lot might be different from that cup in a trash can
5: yeah so the, the case that you're referring to is a case called Solo where somebody had put garbage uh, out on the curbside and the court in a in a fairly closely uh, closely divided uh, court decided that that was not a search. Uh, but in this case, there was another case thats intervened in 2012. There's a case called United States v Jones. And in that case there was a suspected drug dealer in Washington, DC. and the police went to uh, get a warrant to put a bug or a, uh, on the suspected drug dealer's wife's car. For a, they had a 10-day period to put that device on the car, and outside of that 10-day period, they put the device on the car, and then they followed that car around for 28 days. And when that came to the Supreme Court, Justice Scalia authored uh, the opinion of the court, which said that it was a trespass, because attaching a beeper to the outside of the car was a trespass on the car itself, and he, he got a majority, so five justices went with him on that case, that that actually this was a trespass. So what's interesting is there's there's another case, kind of a companion case, that, that didn't come up in this context, but Marilyn v. King, where you have somebody who uh, had had been a, suspected of assault and he was arrested, and when he was arrested, they did a slob of his cheek and got his DNA. And when they ran that DNA, they found that it matched the evidence in a rape case, and they used that evidence to convict him. So when the question came to the court, can you take DNA evidence uh, and use it for this other crime. You know, is this a search? Again, a, a tight court. Five to four. Justice Kennedy authored the opinion. He said, uh, "Well, there's a legitimate state interest. Uh, it's not invasive enough when you take DNA from inside somebody's mouth. Uh, it was collected during the booking and arrest. Therefore, it could be used." But Justice Scalia authored the dissent there, and he said, no, the Fourth Amendment protects the search of a person for evidence of a crime without probable cause, and that this was operating as a general warrant. So, so the the question here is between this U.S. versus Jones case, where touching the outside of a car is a trespass, and this DNA case where it was actually the dissent that said this is a search to actually take somebody's DNA. So, George...
1: It seems as if there's room to disagree with the way the judge decided this case. I mean, do you think that there's room to disagree?
4: Uh, not only is there room, but I do disagree with the federal district judge's opinion, and I do not believe that the Supreme Court will follow this this line of thinking. Um, as Laura correctly points out, the real problem, however, is this current standard of determining whether there's a legitimate Fourth Amendment interest by coming up with this property, this trespass to chattels, which is just an archaic term, of course, for property. Um, and that was, in fact, the rationale in Jones. Uh, but in this case, I, I, I think the the answer is going to be if you leave something in the public, whether it's trash put at the side of the curb or the exter- the exterior of your car, I don't think the court's going to say that we have a continuing Fourth Amendment right of privacy And I think that legitimate police investigations where they are sampling or getting evidence from something that you consciously put in the public. Now you may not realize that your DNA is out there as well, but it is out there. It would be available for anyone to, you know, come by and swab the exterior handle of your, of your, of your car door. So I think at the end of the day, the Supreme Court will probably not follow this, this logic.
3: Laura, do you agree with that? And if so, how how do you distinguish it from the Jones case? I mean, both of them are cases where uh, there wasn't any damage to the car. In in Jones, it was just a device put on the car. Um, If if that was a Fourth Amendment uh, action there, why wouldn't this be?
5: So I do disagree, uh, respectfully, George. I disagree with that. Because in, in this case, so you have somebody sobbing the outside of a car and getting very personal information. And the Fourth Amendment uh, grants the, the right uh, for people to be secure in their persons houses, papers, and effects. And part of that right to be secure in your person is control over your DNA. Uh, So just as Justice Scalia in the dissent in Maryland v. King pointed out, this was a search to find out more about somebody's DNA and to identify people using DNA. And you combine that with the trespass that goes on when you attach something to a car, which is the court's decision in this case. In addition, this idea of public versus private, this is One of many ways Fourth Amendment doctrine is really unsuited to a digital age. There's this idea that when you're in your home, you're private, but when you leave your home, it's not a search because you're in public. Yet a shadow majority in Jones recognized that following a car for 28 days, even though that car was on public streets, that there is a privacy interest in that. Now, the court has not fully moved in that direction. People point at this as a shadow majority in Jones, even though it was decided on trespass grounds. But I think the court, if you look at that case and the Florida versus Riley case, which is, has to do with a search of an individual's cell phone, the court is beginning to understand that in a digital age, not everything that's done in public can be collected 24-7, and there's no privacy interest entailed. You can learn a tremendous amount about an individual from what happens in public. There's that kind of constant monitoring is problematic. So I actually think the court might go a different direction and finally recognize that we can have a privacy interest in what we do in public space. And in this instance, it has to do with the sanctity of the person, their DNA. It's hard to think of anything more fundamental to personal privacy than your genetic material.
1: I want to thank you both. It's good to have a difference of opinion and see both sides. That's Laura Donahue, a professor at Georgetown Law School and former federal prosecutor George Newhouse, a partner at Denton's. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back Monday at 1 p.m. Wall Street time in about 15 seconds. Corey Johnson coming up with Bloomberg Markets. What's happening, Corey? Maybe Corey is is not right there, but uh, I will tell you that a lot is going to be happening there in San Francisco. Corey Johnson and Carol Masser coming up on Bloomberg Markets. This is Bloomberg.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com.